0: Hello, everyone. Normally, I'd say uh, welcome to another edition of Creek Devil. But due to um, a number of people who've emailed us, we decided to change the name of the show just a little bit because people are having a hard time finding it. And there were a lot of the same recommendations, which was to add the word Bigfoot into the title. So uh, from this show forward, we're going to call the show uh, Bigfoot America's Creek Devil. That way, you know, people have a little connection between the term Creek devil, which is a Northern California native term. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head, right in front of me what the actual, uh, native name is, but it translates into Creek devil. So having said that, that's, we're going to make that change starting this show. So we have Mike Casey with us today and, uh, Chuck and Forrester here. Tom's going to be on hiatus for a little while. He's got some personal things going on, so, uh, he may be out for some time. So, welcome everyone uh mike uh we connected on facebook and you've been doing a lot of work you're in eastern washington correct? correct
1: correct yes
0: so i guess we'll just have you kind of start from the beginning and then everybody as you have questions or you want to bring something up just jump right in there um so go ahead and start from the beginning mike tell us you know how you got into doing all this and what have you been finding and have you had any encounters
1: okay yeah uh well i i Come from I so I used to be a ghost hunter in the paranormal world. Uh spoke at a couple events in California, Nevada, and Arizona. Um, transitioned out of that from pretty much COVID days. So in twenty twenty I sort of changed gears and then end of twenty 2020, twenty, early twenty twenty one, uh started really diving into the Sasquatch Bigfoot mystery. Um The way I found out about you, Will, is through um, Sasquatch Chronicles. I started listening to that, and I think I hit you up, actually, maybe when I got to episode six or something, just giving you mad props and congrats on doing such a great job. And I didn't – I mean, when I start something, I kind of go from the beginning. And I didn't realize that you weren't a part of it towards the recent days. So uh, (laughs) it was sad to see you go from that, but – what you had to say on those episodes really inspired and kind of lit a fire underneath me um at that time i was living in reno nevada so i wasn't too far away from bluff creek area and so the i mean i downloaded and uh had those episodes saved so while i was was driving up um at like icy road and Went up to Bandon Mountain Road, uh, where you lose service. I still was able to listen to you all and uh, did a couple expeditions or solo expeditions, I should say. I don't really go with people too much um, out in Bluff Creek. But I went in those months where the gates were closed and there was snow in some areas. So I couldn't I, I still to this day have not made it to the film site. Uh, but I did make it to the gates at the top of the hill. I think people call that the cell cell site. Um, so I adventured around there. Uh, didn't find any uh, real, I don't, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I found some weird stuff. But no footprints or sightings. Uh, there was the mountain goat or mountain sheep that I found that was, I mean, to me, it looked like it had been squished up like an accordion the way its neck was broken. Now, where did you find that and how long ago? That was early 2021. I want to say that was the January trip, but I went January and then again in February. So they were pretty close together. Um, One of those times I was driving up Bandon Mountain Road, uh, which is just south of Willow Creek. If you're going out to Willow Creek, Uh, you hang a left as soon as you get across the bridge and uh, I drove up there again I didn't really know where to go what I was doing I had the map saved on my phone so i like I knew service was going to go out Um, so that was like my morning coffee trip I drove up there found this cool waterfall area and decided I mean the to go up through the creek area there it didn't look too hard so I just started hiking up there uh made it a I'm all, maybe a mile and a half possibly two miles and came to that clearing and as I was taking in the view I then saw that fluff of white fur on the hill and I was uh that shock I was like what is what is that and I'm looking around and everything and I kind of side skirt it to go around so I can get a better view from the bottom. And because uh, I didn't want to kick the dirt and push, push anything debris down on top of it because I wanted to see how it was there before I even started messing with it. And uh, there was no tears, no bites, no holes or gashes. Um, the eyes were still a bit cloudy, so I knew it was fairly recent. Um, but like I said, there was no disturbance in the dirt. Like there was no, nothing walked around it. And then as I looked at the photos later, somebody pointed out that it looks like there was a scuff mark on the dirt right above it. So it was thrown down there. Um, so that was my very first bit of evidence in that area. And then I found some stick structures off of, um, I think it was Owl Road, It it always turned out to be like I'd drive up there with a pin mark on the map being like, cool, this looks like a great area to camp at. And then I'd start driving and then all of a sudden the snow would be there or the gates would be locked. And so I'd have to revamp my plans and go find somewhere else. And I showed up on Owl Road at 2 a.m. I think one. I think that was the April trip. But yeah, that's what I found in um, Bluff Creek area was the the mountain goat slash sheep. I've been told there's mountain sheep, and then some stick structure type formations up there. Yeah, that area's really hard to get into after it snows. They lock all the
0: gates up by Fish Creek and or um, Fish yeah. Lake and all that area. And it's, and the reason they do that mostly isn't so much the snow because there's a lot of wind up there. And Mm -hmm. when they do open it by usually in July, it's because it takes the forest service that long to cut all the windfalls off the road. There's hundreds of windfalls up there.
1: Yeah. That was another one where I'd be driving around and all of a sudden there's just like all these trees laying across the road and, and fresh Bigfooter. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" So I'd get out and I'd walk up, and then I'd notice, "No, that looks like wind. That looks like snow." <laughs> <laughs> yep. But it was a great time up there. I've uh, I've now made some friends um, that have asked, like, if I ever do go back to the area to to hit them up, and they would be able to show me around and kind of get me down to the spots. So hopefully, but now that I'm up in Washington with three kids, now um, at that time I only had one kid, so.
0: So you've been working Eastern Washington now
1: Yes, yeah, I'm in the Tri-Cities area Uh, Kind of my my go-to spot now is the Blue Mountains, I've been hitting up Paul Freeman's area um, quite a bit, as much as I can which has been fantastic Um, I've been having a lot of fun, I've actually found two footprints and a possible third at Deduct Spring but my skills in casting, I don't have faith in them, so I haven't messed with them other than photos.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's something you have to kind of to practice I tell people to, um, you know, if you have any other animal tracks, even dog tracks, you know, pra- mm-hmm. practice on those kind of things until you kind of get it down.
1: Yeah, that's my, again, my, one of my plans. I have the three kids, and I think it'd be fun to try and cast their little footprints. And once this ground thaws up here, kind of the outdoor project we're going
0: to (laughs) do. Well, Chuck and Forrest, you guys dive dive in. Um, I guess we can ask. I mean, I I guess we should probably ask you what you know about the Blue Creek Mountain area and and, uh, the things you found there.
1: Which one? The
0: (laughs) The Bluff Creek area? The Blue Blue Mountains area, I'm sorry.
1: Blue Mountains. Um, Yeah, so first time, so there's like this little campsite that's right there. Uh, probably a hundred, maybe two hundred yards from the Walden Pond, and so I've always tried to get to that campsite. But then, I mean, it's a it's a pretty popular little area, um, and they were it was taken. Um, and then there's a hunter or something that is pretty much camped out all summer long at the entrance to that turnoff. Um, but then the one time that I was able to have kind of the whole area to myself, I wasn't able to camp there, um, but it was just a day trip. There was, I want to say about an 11 to 12 inch footprint in the entrance ravine area to the Walden Pond. Um, I took a picture, there. Was, I think I set a lighter next to it for size comparison, and then I went up there... I want to say it's just this last September and um, found like a four to five inch footprint that <laughs> it, there was others around it. But in my excitement, I only really focused on the one really perfect detailed footprint. Um, I was there with a friend who has been doing it sort of a lot longer than I have. So I was kind of learning and looking at what he was doing. He had the measurement tape and doing all this stuff to try and measure out Paul Freeman's film location. Um, And the little I've I never imagined I would find a little footprint, Um, but I sent all the photos. Michael Freeman is one of my good, close friends. So I actually sent him all the photos that I found up there. And he's very interested in the large print, but mostly into the small print because of the, uh, I don't know if you guys have ordered and or read his new book, um, but there's the theory of uh, there was a baby there that, was, that climbed up onto the Sasquatch's back um, after Paul Freeman filmed him walk in front of him. Later on, it goes down the ravine, and then all of a sudden you kind of catch this glimmer, and they got this... Um, Really sharpened image, and you can kind of see this baby leg and or arm climb up the creature. And so, since I found that little baby footprint, it's, can, uh, can
3: I can I ask you something now? Yeah, I know I've seen that Freeman film, and uh, I actually saw it in its entirety. And they don't show it very often in uh, the uh, a lot of your uh, clips and stuff. They'll cut it off before uh, that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> it's supposed to be, I think a female, it appears to be a female walking across there. And you actually see the infant in the tree. If you, if, if they, if you have the ability to see the whole entire film, Mm -hmm. there's a, a, like a leg hanging down out of the tree. So, um, and I I know a lot of people have said, oh, that, that, that film footage is not real, but they say that about the (laughs) uh, Patterson Gimlin film too. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but you can actually see that that leg hanging from the tree and it looks like it reaches up there and throws it up on its shoulder and mm-hmm. uh then walks off so uh yes i have seen that so that's very interesting actually
1: it's quite i i watched the video a lot because i so when i was up there with jonathan easley he's um western bigfoot exploration He was the guy that I was up there with in uh, September and as we were measuring everything out, he he was looking at that baby footage and there is a cut. Um, It's uh, you can barely tell. But when Paul Freeman kind of gets up to the spot where the creature walks across, he kind of cuts it off. But we found the stump that he walks past or has in the frame um, when that baby is climbing up. uh, We found that stump along the trail. And we kind of I mean envisioned it and the spot that it's there uh, I actually took a picture of myself in that little it's like a little cubby hole um, it's edge that's covering it and I went up there once with Dar Addington um, and she has the theory that that is kind of the nursery area because it's so hidden that ravine I mean it's a 10 to 15 foot dip from where you'd be able to see from the trail so anything down in there would be completely hidden being able to move up and down the ravine and then also if anything did get too close or anyone got too close you go up the hill and across the road and there's the watershed or you go the other way where the big creature was walking from in that area there's no trails whatsoever Um, there's one down the way but it goes the opposite direction Um, sort of like if you get to Walden Pond, it splits at a Y, and you can go right, and that'll take you, uh, I want to say, southeast, or you can go left, and that will take you up to where Paul Freeman saw the creatures. So it's a very nice little hidey hole.
3: Where is that spring and location? Now, didn't he originally? uh, Wasn't he originally filming uh, or taking photos of? footprints around a spring area where is that in location to uh that ravine
1: uh 10 10 feet so where i found that uh 11 to 12 inch track Uh is pretty much right where paul freeman was filming as then when he looked up and heard all the brushes popping and and then the creature walks out so it's it's all fairly close together Hmm. from where paul was
0: Chuck, you've got a lot of experience you want to weigh in.
2: Well, Mike, uh, one thing that's always fascinated me, uh, I'm in Oklahoma and, uh, I've done quite a bit of research here in Oklahoma. And, uh, one of the things that have fascinated me, especially here in Oklahoma is finding structures. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, we have found some pretty elaborate structures, uh, amazing structures and I look back at some of your your footage on uh, some of the tree structures that you found, and th- those those are amazing. Um,
1: they you. remind me <laughs> of
2: a lot of stuff that I've seen seen here. And what is your take on the structures? What do you what do you think they are doing with the structures?
1: Uh, I feel like it's either a directional thing where they're either pointing to water sources or danger areas. Um, I don't know which one because that one, uh, the one that really blew my mind was this, the the one that snapped at about 12 feet high, and then it goes weaving through the trees. That one is sort of smack dab in between. uh, Like if you were on one side of that tree um, that's woven, it's complete wilderness and if you're on the other side then it goes down to owl road which then goes down um i believe to like the icy road in that big construction zone um so i don't know what they're really meaning but i do that one that i'm talking about is the one that's actually gotten me on board with like this isn't people that are doing these um some right. some something very large is doing that that The snap that's 12 feet high, is I I don't know what can do that, aside from a very large creature.
2: (laughs) Right, right.
1: The X's that I found, I don't know if you saw those ones. Uh, Those are kind of a mystery to me, because looking at those ones that I found, which were not far from that, uh, the structure I was just mentioning it's it's not pointed in anywhere where it would be down the hill into the wilderness or where the creek bottom is or to where the, the town would be it's just sort of big x's
2: right well, we have found some some areas where uh, we we actually went on an expedition was in a campground and um I went a little bit back into the woods and I noticed that uh, there was a lot of brakes that were pointing in one direction, and I'm mm-hmm. talking like four or five breaks. and you could tell they were broken and they were twisted, the the limbs were twisted, but they were all pointing in the same spot. And lo and behold, where where all these brakes were pointed directly where our campsite was. And so I it kind of made me think that maybe they were, uh, they were identifying a possible food source um there's a lot of people camp in that area and uh you know th- those kind of structures just fascinate me and it makes me wonder you know what are they doing what are they thinking and mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of that stuff that goes on out there i think
1: yeah the big one is like the twists and the breaks like that where it's like one or two branches that are just broken like snap snapped um I have I have this thought where it's like, is this the evidence of like if people were camping and it's night and dark and they can't see what's going on, but they hear stuff. Could that be the evidence of them like, oh, my gosh, did you hear that? Is that the Sasquatch actually breaking it in that moment during the encounter sort of type thing? Because I found some breaks and stuff that, again, on that Owl Road, that's where I found those stick structures There was a group of trees, maybe eight to ten of them, but then there was two of them. I took pictures of these ones. Um, One of them was, like, twisted and snapped, and then the other one looked like it was snapped and then pushed down on. And I always had that thought where it was like, maybe I wasn't the first camper at this little area. And then these structures and things were kind of warning other creatures, like, hey, people hang out in this spot. So past this point proceed with caution or something like that right
3: what caused me concern was when chuck made the 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 comment about the food source does that mean the food yeah. that uh, those stupid humans are bringing are uh are they referring to the the humans as the food source
1: <laughs> i don't well, think i want to find that one out <laughs> yeah that's,
2: that's that's a pretty good question i, I personally i think that you have so many people camping camping out in that area and people are cooking hot dogs and hamburgers or whatever they are you know, cooking out there and I think that's just uh, you know, hey these people leave or something or once it gets dark, maybe we can go in there and get us a snack and uh, uh, you know Brave
3: the yeah well there has been
1: Oversight's reports I've racket. heard that, that, that yeah, of them going into dumpsters and stuff. And they found them outside the back of like ski resorts where they have huge dumpsters full of trash from multiple days before. So I don't, I don't put that out of my mind at all. Scavenger type style. Food's food. <laughs> right.
3: Well, I think Chuck's had experience with that, haven't you, Chuck, at the uh, one of the casinos up there, the Indian, Indian casinos?
2: Yeah,
3: that
2: I, I actually, there. <laughs> yeah I we did find one that was doing some dumpster diving um it was in one of the casinos and they they had a restaurant there and at night they would go out there and and uh throw all the scraps from the restaurant into these dumpsters and um you know we've actually found handprints on the sizes of those dumpsters that were probably three times the size of my hand and then uh you know one particular evening, uh me and Mary Fabian from Pennsylvania Bigfoot actually saw one uh, at that casino run across behind the side of the casino and then run out across the highway and then into the wood line and we've We found hair samples on on barbed wire fences out there too where they they come across the 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 wood line and come over this barbed wire fence into the casino area and uh there's there's actually been two casinos here in Oklahoma where uh bigfoot were seen and spotted and in in one case one was dumpster diving in a uh a, a grease trap um in the back side of the casino digging food out of the the grease trap so i mean you know i think that if they if they have a chance to get food on a pretty in a pretty easy manner uh they're they're gonna do that
0: you know i've heard it for many years from people in different regions of the west coast where they've seen the creatures either at dumpsters and i've actually found you know plastic bags in their scat so we we do know they eat garbage
1: right opportunistic
0: yes
2: exactly so mike what what other places have, have you been to um doing research
1: uh there was so before i moved up here um i tried to get uh what is that place called oh it was just south of reno um markleyville i tried to get down to markleyville because there was a couple sightings from that area and i went with a good friend of mine but it was the eve of a giant forest fire um and so We got to camp out there. Uh, Everybody was packing up up and, you know, checked off our bucket list. (laughs) So uh, we got that red stuff dropped on the campground, and we woke up to smoke. So we didn't get to do much there. And then, um, I would say not even a month into moving up here to Washington, uh, which was just a dream come true because of this field. Um, I found a spot, uh, in between Mount St. Helens and Mount Baker, um, where exactly I have the coordinates somewhere, but it was like, again, I had these kind of throwing a dart at the board and seeing, Hey, let's go there. Um, but I'd get there and then all of a sudden it's raining at that top of the mountain and there's a giant waterfall type ravine cutting through where I planned to camp. So I'd get back in the car and drive on. Um, that is the spot where I found or I <clears throat> got the game camera picture. People call it a tree peeker, um, something. So I have the, the trail cam set up to take two pictures every time something sets it off. And in the exact same second, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, there's this black figure with a very weird appendage coming out of the side of it um, in the trees behind my camp. Uh, There was a time while I was there, I was sitting in camp. It was all quiet. I had the audio recorder going. There was a bunch of these birds coming down and just, no joke, like a foot to two feet away from me. And I was kind of caught up in that. And then it sounded like Caesar from um, Planet of the Apes was just going to come running out from the woods. There was one noise I think I actually sent the, or I asked Will, um, how do you how do you guys look through your audio? Um, I don't actually remember if I ever sent that to you guys, but uh, I don't think the so. more I listen to it, but it kind of kind of sounds more like a bird to me. I, I think I'll still send it to you guys if I can find it. Just yeah, we, we, guys
0: this feedback we, we'd like it. to hear it. Sure.
1: Yeah, uh, but when I was there, sitting there, <laughs> I was sitting in my camp chair, and I heard that, and I'm like, my heart just, just starts beating fast. I got the hairs raising up, and then I'm like, I'm trying not to make any noise because I know I need to get over to my audio recorder and take a picture of the uh, the time so I know when I can rewind it to to get that sound back. Um, but that was that was my first possible vocalization. I haven't heard anything else since Um, I want to I really 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 eager to try and get some vocalizations or audio recordings or there was a possible wood knock when I was there in September with Jonathan Um, but again I'm so new I just don't know he was the one that heard it Um, there was a bunch of elk bugling also Um, so I gotta I gotta turn my ears up when I'm out there to try and I'm very, very focused on footprints, or eye shine, or any kind of visual sighting or encounter.
3: Well, now, you're not out there by yourself, are you?
1: Most of the time, I am. Um, Um, The time I went out in September was with Jonathan, but that was, he lives in Idaho he offered to come out and i was like dude i'd love to learn from you it's like one of those fly on the wall type things just i need to watch somebody who's been doing this so i can know how to do it better
2: <laughs> well um, I, I would have to say man uh, i uh i respect you a lot uh you're you're pretty brave to go out there by yourself
1: thank you yeah i've yeah. I went once in the Bluff Creek with a lady, and it turned out to be me camping for two people, and that kind of drove me away from wanting to go out there with people or being a part of a team. Um, I kind of have my YouTube channel set up as Bigfooting with Mike Casey, and sort of my my little solo project I'm on.
0: My, my advice about but the Bluff you. Creek no, area is be careful up there. There's a lot of big
1: black bear up there, lots of them. I've seen the footprints. I've gotten a lot of footprint uh, in the snow when I was driving up there. I'd get to the snow and then I'd see some stuff off the side, and of course I'd park and then I'd go look, and turns out it's bear tracks. Oh yeah. Um, I saw some cat tracks up there in the snow once, and then actually when Jonathan was up here, and we were out at a Deduct, we did a, a night drive around the hill, and we saw a cougar jump across Mill Creek Road. And then as we went up around 7 Mile Drive and came back down to the loop, we saw it again. And in one bound, this thing jumped from one side of the road to the other. It was amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, Mike, do you have any? Oh, go ahead first. I'm sorry.
3: No, I was just going to make a comment. I There's just so many things up there that you can uh, get injured. I would sure be, of course, far be it for me to. To tell you what to do but I, sh- I sure would have somebody accompany you all the time up there uh, I personally don't trust Harry man so um, anyway <laughs> that's just me
1: well I do have I'll, I'll, uh, hopefully I'll ease your mind I got the three kids back here and the wife um, who I definitely would love to come back to so I don't do anything <laughs> that would put me in that danger um, I guess willingly <laughs> when we saw the Cougar, Jonathan was out of the car and he had his thermal monocular out and I'm like sitting there in the Jeep and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) That was just the, like the peak predator, of the area. And and now you're jumped out. You're 50 feet up in front of the Jeep. So Hmm. so yeah, there's, there's things that I'll do. And then there's things that I won't do because I want to come home.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, since we're on here, uh chuck and Forrest, do you guys either one have updates you want to uh tell people about or
3: i have had really uh i you know i check what what day was it that i was telling you about that i kept hearing the knocks the other night um what what night hmm. was it that we were chatting i can't remember now i can't either old, day, old age has set in on both of us i think yeah um, yeah. <laughs> um yeah it was last week sometime uh will and um and i, I mean i i'm not going to say it was bigfoot but uh it was strange that i was hearing these uh uh banging noises out. it was like two or three in the morning because it was uh uh it was pretty late that chuck and i were talking and uh uh i was getting a little unsettled about the whole thing to be honest with you and then my nightlight my my, my, my nightlight. My uh, motion light on the end of the trailer kept coming on and uh, uh, I kept going out uh, on the the back porch and looking around and because Cagney was going crazy, but I never saw anything or, you know, and I never heard anything. So uh, I don't I don't know what was going on. So, you know, and I I can't imagine that uh, my
2: neighbors were
3: (laughs) up to mischief at that time in the morning. So,
2: Well, Forrest, didn't Cagney do something with her food bowl that was kind of odd? Oh,
3: uh, he, uh, he took his, uh, um, well, his food bowl, he'll take and he'll drag it out sometimes out of his uh, kennel. That was when he went in the kennel that night and, and wouldn't come out. He dragged his food bowl out of the kennel and pulled, pulled it up against the the, uh, the fence out there. And then went back in his kennel and wouldn't come out. And, and we had some really, really uh, cold temperatures here. And then, uh, Chuck, it was even more horrible in, in Oklahoma. I think it was, what, 26 below there? And it got down yeah. to 10 below here. And, I mean, we, we, we were – it was getting pretty pretty cold. And uh, we had uh, – fixed his kennel of course he's in a really nice enclosed insulated kennel anyway but he was back there buried in that thing but it was so strange that he had uh i'd forgot about that he had taken that uh, uh food bowl and uh uh pulled it out of his kennel and uh and put it over by the um uh, the fence and i thought well that's just about weird but you know he since moved it back in so I don't know, maybe he was making a peace offering or something. Was, I don't know. Don't take me. Take the food.
0: <laughs> was there any food in the bowl?
3: Yeah, there was food in the bowl. That was what was so weird about it.
0: That is very strange, yeah. I was thinking that, too. I thought, okay, yeah, i am put the bowl out here. Here, Take this. Leave me alone.
3: <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if I've ever sent you. I know, uh, I know Chuck has seen the, the new kennel that I bought him. Uh, it, it, something would have to literally tear that thing apart to get into it because even the area where the the run is it's completely enclosed i mean it's got a roof on it and everything else so uh it's not like uh, you know just something to come up they'd have to, it'd have to rip the whole place apart
0: but I, uh I tell you you um, know back in the 70s i saw uh what i told i think i told you guys about the rabbit cages a friend of mine had they were pretty heavy duty and they were attached to the side of the house and they ripped those apart yet at the rabbits
3: well i hope that of course i put this uh you know six foot high fence up all the way around the prop uh the yard now of course that would be nothing for them to jump over i'm sure but uh you know i haven't i haven't had any uh anything uh weird other than that so you know and i i mean i, I I hesitate to say that, yeah, that was Bigfoot out there doing that because I don't know for sure. Right. I never saw any sign a sign of them out there, but it was kind of strange, and and I think uh, uh, Chuck knew I was kind of alarmed too with everything that was kind of going on that night. So.
0: How about you, Chuck? What's going on in your neck of the woods?
2: Well, I've I've been kind of slow here lately. Um, this cold spell kind of got me under and. Um, but as far as going out and doing anything, I haven't really done anything. I haven't seen anything or heard anything in, in quite a while. And, uh, my take is I think that, uh, the boogers around my area are, are laying, laying low underneath the cedar trees, trying to keep warm.
0: Yeah. It so, could be with them low temperatures.
2: And that's unusual. You know, these temperatures we had here for a couple of days, I mean, we haven't had, I don't, I don't. I can't remember ever having 20, 26, 29 degrees below zero temperatures, but we had them, and I think it pretty much shocked everybody out of just staying home.
0: I think I would stay home in those temperatures.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: Well, Mike, do
0: you have any questions? Last
3: time we had anything like that was like two years ago. Wow. Well, all the snow and ice that we got that just blew in from the East Coast.
0: We get uh, we get rain here now. This is our week week of rain for the year, so it'll be dry the rest of year. It'll be summer in a week, so.
1: <laughs> I heard you guys are getting quite a bit of rain down there. So. <laughs> it's
0: it's coming down pretty good actually for this area. That's but good. you know the reservoirs were really dry. I drove up to Oregon last summer and uh, to the area we're working at that time, and jeez, uh, I'd never seen the reservoirs up by Mount Shasta and places like that so low. So the rain's a welcome relief yeah well mike um do you have any anything you want to ask you know myself or chuck or forrest you know she's an anthropologist and and chuck's got a ton of experience and and i don't want to say anything, age, don't say anything about my age i don't think about my my yeah. age but i just passed my 50th year of involvement in this subject
1: <laughs> yeah Well, as I was, uh, I wanted to touch base your book, the um, notes from the field. That was the first book that I read because of course, as I said, I was listening to the podcast.
0: Oh, nice!
1: just fell in love with the knowledge that you had. And, um, I I think I ordered all of your books in a weekend (laughs) and I think I hit you up actually and asked (laughs) how do I, how do I dive into these? What's the first one I should read? And you said the first book you wrote. Um, so that has been a huge one for me. It's, it's almost like a Bible compared to to me because the way it's written out, uh, how it's easy to kind of jump through to like, if I found anything like Mm -hmm. the stick structures or anything, I could get to that section. Um, the way you interview, uh, the setup, how you can, how you mapped it out in the book was fantastic because I had one when I first got into this. I had a lady in Montana reach out to me and I had my interview set up just like how you had it. So I I really appreciate the books and stuff. I, I haven't gotten to the other three books that I have of yours. Um, but I'm looking at them right now.
0: (laughs) You know, if I'm going to give any advice to anybody about interviewing, it's pretty simple. Really. If you can cover or answer all the, the who, what, when, where, how, and why. And, and those are pretty simplistic, terms you know that we all know about but if you can address all of those areas in an interview you've pretty well covered everything
1: Mm -hmm. very detailed the 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 one i got from montana I, i i'm bummed so i started this and i was part of a i was actually part of a group and it after that one camp trip i did with that lady i it was uh, it's like a six hour drive back from Bluff Creek to Reno. I might have said two words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like that's just how bad and like I was just not feeling the group or that team, I should say. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very touchy thing. and there was uh, in Paul Freeman's new book, it's uh, there's an uh, uh, one of the audio clips he talks about how the the Winoha range over here. And how people would ask him, "Hey, would you take me down into there?" And he's—he literally will say, "You do a year of wilderness survival training skills, and then I'll take you in there." Because I don't want to babysit. <laughs> and uh, I wish I heard that when I first got into this, because that, <laughs> yeah, that that hit a, a string when I read there. Listen to that. <laughs> you know,
0: it's it's interesting. I and I don't want to knock any groups, but and and newer people especially really need to you know, explore and learn how to do things. Uh, but mm-hmm. some of these groups, you know, they talk about how they, they make people believe they're experts. And then uh, and I'll give you an example. My, my Fred friend, uh, Fred in Alaska who, um, has his own show and everything. Yeah, Fred and I are very good friends and he showed me a clip from one of the uh, shows he did. And, and there was some stuff and there was some very clear evidence in the clip and the group he took out had no clue. And he didn't say a word, but he called me afterwards and he says, take a look at this. What do you see? And immediately I saw what he was looking at <laughs> and, right. and he, he didn't say another word. He just kind of was quiet and he took them back to where they were from and, and he parted company, but, um, hmm. you know, being observant, that's a big thing. You got to really, your head should be on a swivel and, and take your time. You go slow through an area. I've taken people out and, you know, they kind of <laughs> want to just get from point A to point B and, I tell them mm-hmm. you got to stop once in a while and, and listen and and uh, kind of absorb the surroundings to see what's mm-hmm. going on and, and for normal animals that are there or if they aren't there and why aren't they there, you know when they should be. Let's say mm-hmm. there's yeah, just there's I've... a lot of things to do.
1: Yeah, I've been well, kind well, of
0: I... go yeah. ahead, Chuck. Sorry.
2: Well, uh, you know, you probably know this, but you know, a, a lot of this, a lot of these groups that go out there are. are just out there to socialize oh sure more than anything else
0: right
3: well i think too often too they think that the first time they go out they're going to see uh, herds of them out there oh god um, yes and, then, <laughs> and that was yep um first off they don't run in herds but uh, i think you'd be lucky there's a lot of people that have looked for them for uh you know years and years and years and never that seen plenty of sign of them but never have seen one themselves you know and and there's times that I think back on when I had my first little encounter, uh, and that was way too close for me. And, uh, you know, everybody, I've had people say, oh, that was so exciting. Well, exciting wouldn't be the quite the word that I used
0: gonna regular time. So, <laughs> you know, that's you know. just it. It's like, um, you know, I used to hear the term when I was in the military, you know, guys who were in combat. You know, you, you see it on in movies where they talk about, you know, it's 99% boredom and, and when 1% sheer terror. Um, Bigfoot's (laughs) like that. And it's really easy. Lots. I've seen so many people come and go on the subject over the last five decades. And a lot of it's because, you know, they, they kind of make that initial splash and get, get a bunch of attention from people. And then they can't either either can't reproduce or they can't find anything and become bored. And, and I can tell you, I, I, I would say maybe out of every one or 200 trips to the field, I wouldn't find anything. But the one time I did find something, you know, that kept me going just enough to keep me involved. But that's kind of the way it is. You it's really hit and miss unless you really have a group lockdown. And uh, but they move so often that, you know, you kind of have to watch those patterns, too. But there's a lot of boredom attached to it.
3: Well, it's just like around here, me running across footprints i mean we we i think every set of footprints we found around here it's been totally accidental um it wasn't like i was out there looking for them and it was like uh and i can't lay like, claim to the fame that that i was the one that found them all the time because actually uh on two occasions somebody else uh noticed them first you know
2: Absolutely. and then it was
3: like everybody got all excited and we're all standing there looking at it like we're a bunch of little kids you know and going oh my gosh oh my gosh look at this you know and uh but uh and then you start looking around well you know uh what else is there out here that you know i haven't noticed so i, I
0: think one of but, my uh, one of my favorite stories was going out into the uh Skamania <laughs> county area with a friend of mine from portland and um there was a guy from uh, the gorge, columbia river gorge from the town of carson named datus perry who's long is gone now but uh, he was an old timer and he called us uh about some somebody had a sighting and I remember the day it was just awful. It was pouring raining. It was miserable. He, he had us drive clear to Carson from Vancouver. And then he wanted to drive all the way back. So the two guys, we got out in this rain and wet and everything and we're looking for prints and looking for anything else. You know, some kind of sign that there actually was something there. And these two guys were standing there arguing over a mud puddle. <laughs> one said it was a track the other one said it wasn't a track i walked up and i said it's a mud puddle it's round it's about two inches deep full of water it's a mud puddle and i walked on kind of miffed at these two guys you know two grown men acting like that and i did hmm. actually find a set of 18 inch tracks but it was pretty That's far off the path. yeah oh well, it was i'd actually seen the creature in in 1988 that made those prints and it was a massive one so and I, I said, here's hey. my
1: age range. That's the year I was born. <laughs> I told the guys,
0: I said, hey, there's, here's the footprints right here. They ignored me. So I'm like, well, the heck with these guys. I took pictures, you know, and
2: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: it just kind of goes to show, you know, what, uh, you know, people's priorities and things are and, and their opinions, you know, you have to kind of be open-minded and, and, and keep your, uh, senses about you
1: and keep calm and you keep calm. also Absolutely. you gotta also want to enjoy being out there like being in the woods not even just looking for bigfoot or sasquatch it's oh, just yeah. to enjoy nature in the area that you're in and being with data's perry would be amazing alone i mean i've i've only seen him on the youtube um uh, sasquatch archives videos oh, and
0: stuff he was, he was insane
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: no i mean he was a kook yeah <laughs> my my buddy yeah, Jack there we Arnold Carlo it was my friend Carlo this guy Carlos Pazito uh really he was a really good guy he was into cattle mutilations and he was a friend of Linda Moulton House and um he got a hold of me through a newspaper article about my my second sighting there in Escanmeia in County back in 88 so whenever some either one of us would hear of something we'd call the other one and say hey let's go check it out so um uh, Carlo introduced me to Davis and mm-hmm. Because Carson was so far east of Vancouver, I wanted to cover that whole area, but you kind of need people in local areas to kind of help you out. You know, if they're the ones that are here things in their own area, and then they would call me. And most Mm of the time Davis's information was, you know, totally bogus, but, um, he used to, we'd go all the way out there and, and I told this funny story. always cracks me up because he had these old, really old vehicles. And Davis was about 85 at the time, him and his wife. And he could he could get around pretty good, but he was kind of a well, you've seen the video, he's kind of a rough around the edges character. And uh half time he couldn't understand what he was saying and he'd you know, he'd flip his beard around as he was talking through it. But he he would insist on driving his vehicle and he had this old nineteen sixty eight van that only had the two front seats in it. And in the back, mm. it was full of junk. I mean, there was a motor blo- engine block back there and, and trash and clothes and all kinds of stuff. Well, Carlo and I had to sit on that stuff. And Datas had <laughs> had one speed, and it had to be 80 miles an hour through logging roads south of Mount oh, St. Helens. Jesus. And, you know, we, mm. we were sure that at any time we were going to go careening off some cliff and die in a ball of flame. <laughs> you know, the ball of this. <laughs> and every nice. And every time afterwards, we'd say... We're not doing this again. Well, you know, a couple of weeks later, we get a call, and we're back out there, and Data Van, so.
1: <laughs> so. I'd be worried about that engine block rolling over on top of you. <laughs> oh, it was
0: it was like you see pictures of people in the space shuttle floating around, and their gear floating around. It kind of
1: looked like that with all this
0: stuff, you know, suspended in the air as we were careening around these roads at top speed. Uh, the memories
3: I've really Somebody <laughs> took
0: pictures <in> <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah no i I've, I've met some characters over the years let me tell you awesome
1: i do i so i'm i'm currently in the process of career change i'm going for my cdl uh, license but i used to do pest control and so i'd go to different people's houses and do their uh, residential pest control and of course i mean so I've I've been on a few podcasts, but the, mm-hmm. the first Bigfoot one was um, the Bigfoot Society, and he has pins, and so he sent me a pin, and I pinned that. I mean, I have it on my everyday hat, but I also had it on my work hat, and it, it would spark conversations with the customers. Mm-hmm. And I actually met Ray Wallace's neighbors from Toledo ah, um, yeah. before he moved out of there. And the stories that they had of just running into the Ray at the at the mailbox, and all he had to talk about was Bigfoot, Bigfoot, Bigfoot. <laughs> it was, it's, it's I don't know, the, the history point of it all fascinates me. And me being up here so close to Bob Gimlin, just over in Yakima, which is an hour drive from mm-hmm. me, I'm waiting for that invitation. Um, I've met with Tom Cantrell, and he's offered to do a little coffee, morning coffee thing, but it's. The weather's been so bad I'm, I'm waiting to hear back on that one but i just i love hearing stories and back in the day all that stuff i've been really into um uh robert morgan's documentaries on youtube and also i have the plan to read his book after i finish paul freeman or michael freeman's book we'll, we'll have to i love my well, you
3: library know that we'll have a movie <laughs> too I'm putting a plug in for you, Will. Will has a new plug. Uh, has a new plug. Has a new I, book I out. I do have
0: a new book. Number, it's my ninth <laughs> one so far. Well, people have been bugging me for the past couple what? of years to make a field guide, and awesome. and, we, and we have a film coming out here in the near future. So uh, they wanted it to coincide. So it's actually called. The title is Bigfoot Survival Guide. and It's available on Amazon.
1: Awesome. I know what I'm going to buy right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm actually pretty happy with it. Some of my books, I look at them afterwards like, well, that's okay. You know, and um, and I'm actually, I have another one in the works. I, I stopped working on that one to get this field guide put together and, and put out. So, um, you know, whenever that one gets done, that uh, I'm not going to talk about that one because that's very different than anything else that's out there. Um, cool. Cool. So I'm going to keep that into wraps until it's published, but I think everybody will enjoy that one when it comes out.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to meet you someday and get. I was just going to say I'll have to we'll have draft. to meet
0: up sometime when I come up to, because uh, my my family's in in Puyallup so and all my old friends mm. are up there.
1: I'm willing to drive. Oh, there's I'm going to um, Squatch Fest in uh, Kelso, Washington, at the end of January. And uh, very excited to get over there. I haven't really done too much on the West. I've I've gone up to the Olympic area. I did um, Sasquatch days up in Forks and got to camp out with the Olympic project for one night um, on their little property that they have there. Um, Sadly, I was so tired and I had my three-year-old with me that we went into the tent for her afternoon nap and actually did not wake up until like 3 a.m. when everybody else was passed out. (laughs) And so I didn't really get to hang out with him too much as I wanted, but I had the plan to to get back over in that area. And then Yakult, yeah, I really want to get up into that spot.
0: Um, it's changed just, a lot
1: just to walk around. Yeah, it's changed yeah. a lot there. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, do you have any further questions, or Tom, Forrest, um, Tom? I'm used to Tom being here. Sorry, Chuck, Forrest. Anything further? We're just about out of time. I actually,
3: I actually wanted to backtrack just. Oh, so okay. one second, and I I'm should sure. have said something very at the very beginning about the sheep or goats. Yes. Um, uh, where exactly? Uh, you know, I now I've been I lived 17 years in Alaska, so obviously we don't have mountain sheep and goats down here in Texas, but uh, um, we do. Uh, we have plenty of domesticated ones that uh, we basically probably wouldn't want to cross. But anyway, um, the thing that I found. I was trying to picture in my mind were you in a rocky area because most of the mountain goats and mountain sheep in Alaska are up in uh you know very rocky up above the high the 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 tree line and all that sort of stuff so I was tr- trying to figure out in my mind was this the same type of area that this this uh this mountain sheep was found in or uh, uh can you explain that to me Hello.
0: Is he there? I know that area. Let me see if we lost him. Um, I don't know. He's still here. Hey, Mike. Well, that area forest is the hills around Willow Creek are only get up around to about 5,000 feet in elevation. Uh, mm-hmm. it is very rocky. I mean, it's rugged country and don't get me wrong there. And it's heavily timbered in a lot of areas. Um, it's probably not the kind of place you would think of mountain goats oh. being in, but... Oh, there he is. There, Mike?
1: There there. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, did you hear what um, the question was?
1: I think the, the, the landscape area was the question of the goat.
0: Yeah, what was the yeah, terrain uh-huh. like there?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, so as I was walking up the ravine, I saw the trees kind of parting, and then it was just that dirt hillside uh that went down I don't maybe 30 40 yards that little clearing right there and then it was just tree line so there was no rocks no cliffs no boulders um it just sort of just dropped off which again I've been up to Alaska I'm kind of an animal nerd and that's why I thought it was a mountain goat at first not a mountain sheep uh, I was corrected by that on Instagram but um but yeah there was nothing that it could have fallen off of to break its neck.
0: And you said that was just yeah. south of Willow Creek, right?
1: Yeah, that was up Bandon Mountain Road. And then where I, where I started hiking out from, there was this big mossy bridge. There was a little waterfall that was right off of it uh, or kind of, I don't know, north, south, east or west of it, but it was just on the the other side of the bridge. So when I walked down and I did a little photo shoot with the waterfall, that's when I decided to hike up the ro- or up the ravine Creek, uh, like a mile and a half, two miles.
3: Okay. What did it appear like something had fed on it? I mean, you know, I know you said that it, the, the neck was broken. Uh, I have seen a lot of mountain goat and sheep. And I mean, I swear to God, they've got super glue on their feet. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. the, them hanging on the side of mountains. It's just unreal. But, uh, um, and and it, yeah, they fall sometimes, but it's very rare. And um, but uh, you said that it was evident that the neck was broken. Did it appear that the uh, the body had been uh, eaten on, or uh, was just left there to to die, or what?
1: It was just left there. There was not a, a tear or a bite or a rip. Um, no bullet hole. Nothing.
0: It's interesting that nothing had scavenged on it yet.
1: Yeah, and yeah, like I said, the weird. eyes were still cloudy, so that's how I knew, I mean, it hadn't been that's how long. I knew that, yeah, it was very fresh. And then when somebody had pointed out the scuff mark right above it and how it was thrown, or like it it got thrown and bounced and then landed in the spot that it was in, um,
0: You know, Forrest it just kind of
1: added to that mystery. I,
0: I showed you guys a picture of the scat my friend up in that area got. Uh, this past year with the uh the Mountain Dew can next to it. And and where he's talking about is relatively close to where he found that.
3: Yeah you sent me yeah. a picture of that.
0: Yeah. Have I shown you that chuck? Yeah. No sir. I'm gonna have to send you that, I've
2: seen that one.
0: I'll have to send you that that one. I don't I don't know if I, I don't think I have a well, my phone so I'll have to email it to you.
3: I wouldn't want to run it like whatever made that.
0: It's enormous, yeah. What?
2: Mike, I got a question about the sheep too. Uh did it look like um that the neck had been twisted and turned around or or anything like that, like something grabbed a hold of the neck or
1: the head and just twisted it. Did it did that seem like that's what it looked like? I wouldn't say maybe a twist. Um I could definitely think that something grabbed those horns and just ripped back. Because I mean that thing's nose was out its at its rump. Um, I always say I've never seen. I've I've seen roadkill. I've hitchhiked. I've I did a month in Australia and walked around, along roadsides, and so I've seen kangaroo that have been hit, uh, wallabies and stuff. I've seen bears on the side of the road while I, so I grew up in Lake Tahoe, Truckee area. Um, so in the mountains, sadly, I was not into Bigfoot or research or anything like that back then Um, but I've seen evidence of like car hit damage and this thing like there was ah it was the weirdest thing no impact marks um it could have been twisted and then it just kind of laid like it didn't look like it was twisted but it did not look like there was a bone that was connecting in that neck.
0: I would say if it had been thrown, I mean, it's possible the neck was twisted prior to it being thrown. Mm-hmm. In, and in that process, it mm-hmm. may have come undone.
1: Yeah. But it just looks like it was completely bent backwards. Just complete loose, floppy neck.
2: <laughs> and,
3: and cougar and bear don't kill like that. So, no. Um, and cougars suffocate their prey. And and bear just, well, they just kill.
1: Yeah, tear uh, things apart. Yeah, Um, they just
3: rip things things apart.
1: When (laughs) I did did. post it, um, when I did post it online and ask questions on like, what do people think of this? I got back is like, did you flip it over? And that's one thing that I highly regret doing is, like, I I just kind of left it there. I had some people saying, why didn't you cut the head off and bring it home and have a skull mount? Oh, God. But um, (laughs) it's like, you know, I'm not that brutal. I'm not that barbaric. Not the kind of thing Um, (laughs) that's on your mind at the moment. No, it's not. And I mean, even to flip it over, I mean, that would have been a good idea to see if there was any predation marks on the other side of it. Right. But I didn't even think of it. Like I saw, I found that. Um, like I said, I came to the clearing and I was taking in the view because I want to say that might have been my first actual morning because I slept at the Bigfoot Motel. I got in at like oh twelve twelve thirty at night. So the lady, I had to ring the bell and wake her up to get my room key. And I woke up, got coffee at the local place, and just started kind of adventuring in that local willow Creek area before I went down the road to Orleans. Um, and again, it's like, I felt like I was too lucky. I was like, no, this, you know, this is my, what? No, this is my first time. <laughs> uh, but, but it was, it blew my mind. <laughs> here's a thought
0: too. Now remember with both bear and cougar, um, you know, they bury their kills in shallow graves and come back repeatedly to eat. So being left out in the open is very uncharacteristic of either of those animals.
1: And I don't know anything that kills for sport other than us. I mean, you hear in these movies like Jurassic World, oh, it's killing for sport. It's not eating or well, a predator. Or it's yeah, killing for sport.
0: Sasquatch will do that.
1: Weirdest thing, yeah.
0: They will kill for so sport. So I would say
1: that that's my first... That was my first bit of evidence, possible evidence, but you guys are just kind of clarifying it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was very cool as I got to it. I was like, what is that?
0: (laughs) Well, you never know what you're going to run into out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, even with these footprints, I didn't expect to get those this soon. Right. um, Michael Freeman sent them to. Uh, Jeffrey Meldrum and he says like he he's in contact with Meldrum and he says Meldrum is very intrigued with them and upset that I did not cast them but you know that's my goal for 2023 is to perfect my casting can't cast everything you can't really I mean yeah I had the stuff I could have but I just
0: now in my, i don't want to mess book, anything
1: up and it was like that was fantastic in
0: my book bigfoot field work 101 it tells you
1: how to cast them there step by step see there's the book i didn't read yet
0: though. oh well, see, there you go <laughs>
1: that's that's i'm gonna i'm gonna put robert morgan's book to the side again and not dive into
0: your <laughs> <laughs> all right everyone listen we're out of time any final thoughts or comments folks
3: no i i thoroughly enjoyed it you know, I'm, I'm ready for, to hear some more adventures now. (laughs) Uh, You're just worrying me going out there by yourself though.
2: (laughs) I, I enjoyed it too. And, uh, you know, Mike, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and hearing some of your experiences and stuff and, uh, just keep up the good work, man.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And it's been, this is a true honor to be able to talk with you guys. Um, I loved it. This was this was a great night. I really appreciate you guys,
0: Mike. Thank you so much, and keep in touch
1: with us. I will. You guys know it. Uh, I might keep in touch a little too much. Oh, if I, if I ever no, get anything, I'm going to send it your guys' no, way. <laughs> no such
0: thing as too much.
1: Oh, thank you, no. thank
0: you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil.